Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Welcome to Awaken of Real Presence Radio's local programming uh, on this Wednesday morning. It is just past 7 a.m. Uh, my brother Joe Holcraft and myself are excited to be with you. And today we're talking intercessory prayer, praying fervently. You know, we continue to kind of uh, break open uh, prayer, particularly intercessory prayer. We're breaking open Dr. Holcraft's book, Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer. Uh, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more. It's so much more than the book. This is a part of the spiritual life of the church, and we are excited to be with you. We're excited that you're here to join us. And so, uh, as all good things begin with prayer, let's begin with prayer and we will dive in. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. We ask the same Holy Spirit who animates life, the animator of life to breathe into us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us to pray. In the words of St. Paul, teach us to pray as we ought. May your breath fall upon us and breathe life into us. And in turn, Lord, we ask that you would use these words to breathe life into the greater body of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I am doing well. Good morning, Mark. It's good to be with you as always, talking the stuff of intercessory prayer. Thanks. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it is good. Uh, I don't know about you in Ohio, but right now it is, uh, the temperature is warm, uh, so to say, and we're hoping that it stays that way. Uh, we, um, you know, in the North Dakotans, we love the sun because it's gone for six months of the year. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, a little exaggeration there. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, um, it's true. I would have thought more, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's true to form, I'm telling you. Um, okay, yeah, there's more sure. sunlight in that we're so far north, right? But uh, as far as the cold, it brings you back to, uh, it's to a point. When I first moved to this area, so years ago, I lived on the, the Moorhead side, right across the border from Fargo, where we are now, uh, still within our Real Presence Radio listening area, of course. And I remember, so this is 20 plus years ago, moving to the area. I moved in the summer and I was a youth minister. And I remember asking our pastor, uh, not being from the Northern Midwest, uh, did not know of the cultural dynamics of summer. Asked, hey, so where are the people? <laughs> like, I've been to mass two weekends in a row, every mass, where are the people? And he said, oh, they're at the lake. I'm like, okay, well, I knew Minnesota was a land of 10,000 lakes, but I really didn't understand what that phrase meant, they're at the lake. So I thought, honestly, after a couple weekends, there is one massive lake in Minnesota. And so I said, uh, yeah. finally, I said, where is this lake? I'm going to go. And they started laughing at me, the priest. They said, no, 
they're at the lake, but there's lots of different lakes and they're, they're just, this is where they go in the summer, but they really value their summers because it's so short. And so they take off. Mm-hmm. It does. So we're, oh, and we're, yeah. we are totally, you know, we're coming up on Memorial Day weekend and that marks the beginning of really lake season and lake season. It is a real thing in uh, real presence radio land. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. <laughs> I can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joe, we're talking intercessory prayer and we're talking praying fervently uh, to pray fervently. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I, as always, I always enjoy your stories, you know, whether they include me or not, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a fun dynamic. Um, but again, I'm struck and I, I think I've said that often in these last few episodes that we've done. I'm struck in uh, just your stories and your encounters, uh, your encounters with people who are really involved in the Holy Spirit. And you talk about that a little bit in your book. Can you please share more? Yeah, sure. Um, so, oh gosh, what was it, Mark? 99. Uh, so back in 1999, had to do some quick mental math there. <laughs> I transferred to Franciscan University of Steubenville. And uh, in our first week there, what Father Mike Scanlon did, the then president of Franciscan University of Steubenville, is he would pray. Uh, he would meet all the students and then pray with all the students as a group. Uh, he would shake everyone's hand and then pray with everyone. Well, uh, we went to, into the uh, J.C. Williams Center. He, he greeted us. He, he said his prayer uh, with us. And then as I was leaving, I was asked by a friar to come back over. And evidently, when Father Mike Scanlon shook my hand, he felt compelled to pray with me and over me. So, of course, there I was as, you know, a young 23, 24-year-old just you know, so excited about this. And so I just prayed uh, with Father Mike Scanlon and allowed him, of course, to pray uh, over me. And this was maybe five minutes. It seemed like, you know, an hour. And I, I shared that story in the beginning of, of this chap- chapter on fervent prayer, Mark, because it was really, I would say, my first tangible encounter with fervent prayer. And and by that, I mean not prayer that is uh, you know, hyper-emotional or dressed up with fancy words. Undoubtedly, inspired fervent prayer can lead to passion and, and to an articulation of the faith and, and uh, prayer. But this was something deeper. This was something that came from every fiber of his being. And I felt uh, just consumed um, by the Holy Spirit. Father Mike Scanlon certainly was an agent of the Holy Spirit, a mediator of God, and uh, dare I say, a conduit of energy. And I was just enveloped by the Spirit. And when he was done praying over me, I just felt kind of light on my feet because of his presence. And it was really, Mark, that encounter where I, something happened to me, you know, and you know, I had given him a few requests, uh, and he had interceded on on my behalf. And as it turns out, Mark, all those details, but certainly uh, what he prayed for came to fruition. But that encounter that night with Father Mike Scanlon was indeed, as I look back into my own journey of faith, my first encounter with fervent prayer, because it was an encounter with prayer that was unique in what I heard, Mark. It was, yes, the presence, but if we were to 
define fervent prayer as a holy craving that arises from union with God. In Father Mike's words, I heard a kind of holy craving, if you will, for my good. You know, we define love as to will the good of the other for the sake of other. So this is always part of our intercessory prayer. And I heard the holy craving. And it was just, uh, again, something altogether unique as Father Mike Scanlon himself uh it was a man altogether unique. God rest his soul. And he very well might be a very well might be a saint. A saint might have prayed with me and over me at that time. Yeah, but uh, yeah. anyhow, that was that experience, Mark. And it had me going back to a very important passage, James chapter five, verse sixteen. The fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effects, or yields great power, whatever translation you want to go with. So James 5.16 is a very important verse for us today, and as you and I have shared in the past, Mark, really a very important verse to this whole book, because in our time together, it, it really is, in our time together two weeks ago, Mark, we talked about praying from the heart. Well, if fervent prayer is a holy craving that arises out of union with God, it is that impassioned cry that comes from the heart. Right, uh, you yes. cannot separate fervent prayer from the heart, and no doubt Father Mike Scanlon's heart was made present to mine. That's why I had that that very um, palpable experience of of the Holy Spirit and, and, and fervent prayer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know a lot of our listeners are familiar with Franciscan University, and I think a lot of them would be familiar with the name of uh, Father Michael Scanlon. You know, um, I know I've run into plenty of listeners um, just in our area, you know, and what he was known for being such a gifted man. um, I only know him or knew him from afar, if you will, kind of remotely or about him. You know, I, I, it's one of those things, like I had met him a couple of times, one of the times while visiting you on the campus there. And it was very briefly, and it's one of those, I think in this whole, like, sometimes I think we get caught up in the Catholic Hollywood, where there's like the superstars in the Catholic world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. the lights blinking, you know, like this is Monsignor, Father Scanlon, oh, you know, <laughs> the excitement. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but <laughs> yeah. nonetheless, you know, um, you, you know, there's a reason the stories surround some of these men and women that are really just pursuing holiness, you know, and Father Scanlon. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, uh, in reflecting on times that we've been we've encountered fervent prayer, Joe. I, uh, I'm mindful of a time, and it was actually within our own family. One of our brothers, uh, Patrick. Uh, I just remember being in high school. Um, I think it was my sophomore, junior year in high school. We're doing family prayer. We're praying the Rosary. Um, but I was really in that Rosary that evening. I was really struggling. I was so. Hmm. Um, I got kind of distracted, but really just um, something wasn't right. Um, but it was for the first time in my life that I ever recall really ever thinking to myself the existence of God and uh, I'm questioning the existence of God. Uh, a pretty massive uh, movement of the mind and, and heart in a, in a sense of just to yeah. ask those questions. You know, as a 15, 16 year old asking, these are huge questions for any age. Um, but it was the first time yeah. I ever remember encountering that. And of all things, while we're praying the rosary, which I thought was odd. And so 
of the rest of the rosary, I really was kind of out of it. Um, I was really kind of unto mm-hmm. myself and we prayed the rosary. Usually this conversation after, happening afterward, or sometimes we might turn the TV on afterward or whatever. I just went to my room. I just remember going to my room and kind of removing myself, uh, oblivious that anybody was really paying attention to me, let alone the Lord. <laughs> uh, but Patrick mm-hmm. had noticed something about me that must have caught his attention because uh, just a few minutes later, he came into the bedroom and it was just he and I, and he just said, uh, hey, you doing okay? And for our listeners, um, my brother, he's about five years older than me, uh, this particular brother, one of 11 kids, got a few to choose from. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's five years older than me. So he, he actually was, uh, in between, that summer he was between the seminary. Uh, he was discerning priesthood, in a sense has discerned out, but uh, at the time he was discerning it. And he just listened. He said, you doing okay? And I just opened up to him, which even surprised myself. And I said, I don't know what just happened, but, um, and I was scared to say, I was scared to admit it. I felt like, uh, like I had done something wrong, but I just, what came mm-hmm. out is, Pat, I just, I'm just wondering, like, it just hit me why the existence, like, does God exist? And I feel terrible that I should even be asking that. And he, hmm. he, what he did really, without probably even knowing it, he just really listened and offered some some basic uh, counsel and guidance. I think a lot of wisdom, the Holy Spirit was moving through him. He just said, don't ever for be afraid to ask questions. Don't ever be afraid to ask about the faith, even if it seems like you're doubting. It's, like you, you just, it's just putting it before the Lord. And that really, yeah. hearing him say that put a lot of ease and really a lot of peace, even though in my 16 year old, 15 year old mind, I couldn't necessarily articulate that. All I knew is I felt better just hearing him say that. Sure. Um, but sure. then he prayed over me. And like you said, Joe, it wasn't this incredibly emotionally power packed, passionate prayer. Uh, at least not that I remember. I just remember he just prayed over me uh, and, and prayed with me. And his prayer was, uh, it was fervent. You know, it, it, like you said, it was it was from the heart. He was praying for me. And mm-hmm. that was one of the first encounters that I remember being so tangible of encountering someone who's praying fervently. But then also, I think, praying for me. And you, you had hinted at that with Father Scanlon. And this, you know, we, we're going to come back to that scripture you spoke of from James 5. But what was what I'm reminded of, even in your story, Joe, is St. Paul's letters to the Corinthians uh, his first letters, you know, first Corinthians, you get chapters 12, 13, 14, but 14, it talks a little bit about you know, the gifts and the manifestations, particularly the manifestations of the yeah. Holy Spirit. But what was so yeah. key in that scripture passage from first Corinthians 14 is it's for the greater good, for the greater good of the community, you know, how the, how yeah. these gifts, yeah. and that's, that's the essence of fervent prayer. It's always going to bear fruit. And it's not that we can't pray fervently for ourselves, <laughs> We should, and we will, and we'll discuss that. But just, again, being brought back to the the importance and the gift of praying for others, praying fervently for others, for the good of the community. I think, especially in our time now, in our society, it is so underestimated, the power of prayer. And I think that's a word we're hitting on a little bit. That's this prayer, this fervent prayer. It is powerful. It changes things. It changes people. It changes situations by virtue of the change of people. Um, there's, there's so much that could be said. And, and so, like you said, so back to James 5, 
The fervent prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Prayer is powerful. I just get fired up thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, and you know the thing, Mark, too is, and and I've I've touched upon this before, but here we are talking about it again, and it can never be overstated because I get the question all the time. <laughs> Maybe my top question since this book has been published with respect to the power of prayer specifically, you talked about changing things. Um, yes, prayer does in fact change things, but what we have to be clear on is that. Prayer doesn't change God's mind per mm. se in as much as it brings to fruition what's in God's mind. God, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, God doesn't need our prayer to act, but he chooses to use our prayer to act. Okay, so in this way, we begin to participate in God's redemptive mission. Uh, once God loves us into existence, he at once invites us to participate in that love, right? And a way we do that and it's a part of our baptismal vocation, Mark, is we pray for other to bring about the, the optimal good, right? Mm -hmm. the, it's just this simple, Mark. The less we pray, the less souls are saved. The more we pray, the more souls are saved. Uh, Amen that's to that. scripture. Go to Colossians one twenty four. This is daunting for some, but let this be an invitation into the grandeur of God's love and the way in which he works and oh, by the way, to be caught up in this drama of, of intercessory prayer is something beautiful to witness, Mark. Uh, it, it <laughs> also encourage us, it encourages us in our own faith to see God move and God work. Oh, uh, and, and again, absolutely. Mark, this is going to, we're going to continue to explore this when we get back from the break here in a bit, but uh, this is going to have us going back to James chapter 5, verse 16 in the larger context that it, that it encircles. Absolutely. And Joe, you just hinted at it. We got to hit up, come up on a break here. So when we come back from the break, when we return, in a, a core question for us, who initiates this life of intercessory prayer? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken, Real Presence Radio. You're with Dr. Joe Holcraft and Mark Holcraft, each in our own location, Dr. Joe in Ohio, myself here in the Fargo studio. We're excited to be with you. Uh, picking up where we left off, we're talking about who initiates this intercessory prayer that we're speaking of. And we, we obviously know it's the Holy Spirit, but we want to dive into that because it, it can't just be a blanket statement. Uh, it, we mm -hmm. want to offer, there's an importance there. It's always God who initiates prayer. And so it's always God initiating this dialogue, Hanjo. Huh, and, and the Holy Spirit, he will, not, he will not leave unfinished what he starts. 
Yeah, amen. So what I want to do, Mark, is I want to go back into James chapter 5, verse 16, and the surrounding verses to not only highlight that fervent prayer is certainly about intercessory prayer, because James says as much, but also uh, to to, to dive a little bit into uh, an Old Testament figure that James wants us uh, to think about in this context. So we read in James chapter 5, verse 16, this and following, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So he, James just said, pray for one another that yep. you may be healed, right? Got the fervent prayer <laughs> of a righteous person is powerful in, it, in its effects. So James just said, pray for one another and seek righteousness, right? Because it's the fervent prayer of a right, righteous person. We were just talking, Mark, about uh, fervent prayer being that holy craving, holy craving arises out of righteousness. Uh, and, and when you pray out of that uh, righteousness, you're going to yield great power. He then goes on to explain why. Elijah was a human being like us, yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain upon the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So he goes to Elijah to highlight his his great power, yes, but what does he first say, Mark? He is a human being like us. He stresses his humanity, his humanness, if you will. Why? Because he wants you, me, and the reader of this passage to be reminded that it's not about Elijah conjuring uh, conjuring up some magical potion, right, out of nowhere. No, he's calling down the power of God. It is by virtue of the power of God that Elijah stakes claim. Uh, It is the power of God that that Elijah stakes claim to, and ultimately it is by virtue of that great power that he uh, (laughs) commands the the earth to to rain and and to, and to, to stop to rain right so you know you you think about it mark and in the end and we can never stress this enough as agents of the holy spirit we are only as good as we invite the holy spirit into that prayer right i mean the other thing too here with respect to he was a man uh who at different points was in deep torment, in great anguish, you know, after the the battle with Ahab and and Jezebel. um, And when Jezebel threatened him, he went off into the wilderness and just deep anguish, you know, just take me, God. (laughs) I can't do this. I mean, mean, this is Elijah. This is Elijah. I think it's important. Elijah, who's known for being this incredible prophet, was scared, you know, And, 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 and that's, again, the human aspect. Amen, Mark, and amen. And what we need to stress here is that, (laughs) and St. Augustine said it, every saint has had a past and every sinner has a future. And Mark, we're sinners. And if we're going to have the future that God calls us to, it starts with that place of fervent prayer. Um, Maybe we are in some deep fear. Maybe we are in some deep anguish and torment. Well, if we are, be reminded of the likes of of Elijah and and every saint in the church history past who has failed uh, who has failed once you know twice but got up both times again so you know it, it's just a matter of focusing on 
who's the alpha of our prayer. And as we do, making sure that um, this is how we pray um, and that it is uh, a prayer that is steadfast and, and constant. Yes, yes. Joe, you used a word briefly uh, just a moment ago in regards to prayer and like going to, uh, not just to pray fervently, um, but a certain, uh, well, just an, you didn't use the word urgency. That's not what, that's what I'm saying now. But in a certain sense, with with that emotional package, if you will, really praying with your whole self, you know, yeah. um, and, and there's a certain sense, sometimes it was something that you said, the image that came to mind where, again, these are my words, where there's almost a kind of desperation, uh, a begging, a begging of the Lord. You know, I go back to just an honest human experience, very real experience. Years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were in the transition of, we, we felt like the Holy Spirit was calling us to move, to move from one town to another. Uh, so we're moving into uh, Crookston, Minnesota. And long story short, um, going into you know all the processes of selling a home and buying a home, um, we were hoping we'd find something that, you know, you, the practicals you can afford that has these certain features you're looking for. Uh, at the time, you know, we had three children with a fourth on the way, uh, super excited, moving closer to town where I worked, all these things. But I remember at one point thinking we may not be able to get this, this home we had our eyes on. And there was a lot of things building up, not least of which my wife at that point being just about, I think, seven months, eight months pregnant. You know, you want to get her a home. <laughs> you want to have a home for yeah, the for the, yeah. the, the baby coming. And I just remember at one point just feeling very convicted, but also really um, just disappointed in myself because the night before I had made a comment that really just, it lacked faith. It was a mm. faithless comment. And mm. what it did do though, it kind of drew up this desperation, but an a really a praying and a begging, begging the Lord. Mm. And what was, what needed to happen was I, uh, you talked about this in our last show, Joe, being vulnerable in that importance of vulnerability, but just being really empty before the Lord, being emptied before the Lord. This is what yeah. I have to give you, Lord. It is not much, but it is what I have, you know? And, and so you praying with your whole spirit, not begging, and I think that's that's so important, Joe. And this is also, I want to explore this with you too, as we dive into praying fervently. And that one expression of that fervent prayer can be one of begging, right? Well, that's what it translates, Mark, right? So the Greek for fervent prayer is diomai, diomai. And that diomai translates, earlier I was talking about a holy craving. It best yeah, translates yes. as a begging, a begging that arises out of union with God. So generally, Mark, when we talk about prayer, the Latin word for prayer is precari. That translates as to ask. And certainly on the surface that works because that's a mode of prayer, if you will. But if to ask is to want, to beg is to, great, to crave. And if Jesus says, knock on the door. What deal my is, is to bang down the door, if you will. Uh, Jesus prayed this way, oh, by the way, in the garden. And this is when he sweat blood. So when yes, Jesus entered yes. into the mystery of the deal my, that holy craving, that deep, deep begging, that perfect prayer, he quite literally sweat blood. 
right? And this speaks to the intensity of, of the DOMI. Um, for our listening audience and viewing audience, think about the last time where you prayed and it was, please, Lord, come through for me here. This is the place of, of DOMI. But what I would challenge, um, the challenge I'd put before our listener, Mark, is remember that this is a prayer that arises out of union with God. So uh, this definition, Mark, would fall short if we didn't highlight the importance of seeing our relationship with God as the highest priority. Because if we are not in a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we're going to lack, lack that deep confidence, that deep abiding trust, that entrustment mark that always accompanies fervent prayer. So this calls for, no doubt, uh, the need to constantly re-engage in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, we are called to pray without ceasing, Right. We have to understand that God is near to us in all that we do. Yes, we enter into, you know, the the, the more formal prayers uh, of of the Rosary, the Chapel of the Divine Mercy, and as we do, then we we will be more acutely aware to all of the other informal moments, if you will, that God wishes to reveal Himself to us. And then out from that mark, our prayer, all the more, is fervent, <laughs> and. Yeah. We have yet to use the word here, Mark, or phrase, but on fire, because fervent prayer is the breath of God, the fire of God. We just celebrated Pentecost, right? The giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. St. John Paul II once said that the whole of the Paschal mystery points to the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's striking, by the way, that John Paul II, the great philosopher, would say, the whole life of Christ points to Pentecost because it's there where he gives us the gift to share in his life. And again, that life is one that is on fire quite literally because this is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that was in the upper room. So rightfully, we can define fervent prayer as a prayer that is on fire for God because you've been abiding in the warmth and presence of the Holy Trinity. Now, Another aspect of this fervent prayer, Mark, is steadfast, persevering. In fact, some Greek translations of the fervent prayer and and the righteous person will translate as steadfast and persevering because this is a part of what fervent prayer is about. James, in the opening of his epistle, talks about how patience perfects all things, how steadfast perfects all things. And here he is. At the end of his epistle, highlighting the importance of fervent prayer, steadfast prayer. Uh, (laughs) What is James telling us? Well, that fervent prayer essentially perfects all things. Sometimes, sometimes, and this is how God works in salvation history, Mark, (laughs) the invitation to a life of prayer is an invitation to a life of greater trust, right? A greater trust. And so... Sometimes then, our intercessory fervent prayer calls for a steadfast heart, a heart that's persevering, a, a, a heart that is, is, is just constantly pursuing. You know, the, 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 the life of prayer that longs for God, the same mark our lungs long for air, is the life of fervent prayer. It is so pursuant, it is steadfast. 
I want to jump in here because I, it's so good. And, but what I want to highlight right now too, as you're talking about the importance, that steadfast prayer, but also being on fire. I think sometimes a visual comes, I'm a pretty visual guy. And, um, sure. What I want to steer people away from is sometimes that that prayer can only have a certain visual that it emotionally, you're always happy. You're always on fire. Frankly, that's often when prayer can be easy. The commitment to prayer can be easy. And yet what I'm appreciating and what you're saying and what James is getting at is in, in that steadfast prayer, uh, it's really, uh, it's, you know, I think I hear this more often in sporting terms, if you will, but just showing up. Sometimes the best thing and the most important thing you could do is just to show up, uh, especially Amen. in those moments when it is really hard. Emotionally, you simply may not feel like it. And yet, it, you know, in one matter of being, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, in a certain sense, like you may not feel like it. And that's the very human experience. Uh, it may even not necessarily be human, it may even be. Uh, a sinful tendency, a laziness. I know I've struggled with that in my life at times, just being lazy, being too comfortable, um, being tired because, you know, you stayed up late watching a movie and then the next morning, your commitment to prayer takes a hit. Those very subtle, practical things, but to show up. And one of the graces of continually showing up, if you put yourself in front of the presence of God, you are more inclined to see the power of God. And so mm-hmm. it's really, Amen. it's one of those, like, it's just a really simple thing, simple in yeah. its uh, understanding and not always simple to do in its action, but just to put yourself before the Lord, put yourself before the Holy Spirit in prayer, uh, whether you feel like it or not. And, and like I said, even in those moments when you don't feel like it, you just, you surrender that, <laughs> you invite the Holy Spirit into that, what might feel like a nothingness might feel like yeah. it's a void well invite invite the holy spirit into that um and in turn as I said before the more you put yourself in front of the lord the more you you're going to see the power of god at work you know the whole idea of prayer i think a lot of times we come in with the mindset of a very pious uh visual you know mm-hmm. and that's a part of it that's a part because it's a fruit sure. of it you know and and, and you yeah. know piety yeah. being one of the gifts of the holy spirit so it's not denouncing that in any way but to engage sometimes that human or sinful tendency, you know, uh, sin is going to, sin is going to pull us away, whether it's uh, temptation pulling us away or whether it is a, a habitual and a habitual sin that we've struggled with. It is going to pull us away from prayer. It's designed to, you know, cause it's coming from the evil one. And yeah, so yeah. I say that not so much to discourage listeners, but to really let's engage the reality Let's engage the war, the spiritual battle that is, and to not be afraid, even if you might feel afraid. Joe, you quoted the great John Paul II earlier. And, you know, of course, we know him. So many of us know him with the beginning of his papacy, be not afraid. But in scripture, Mm -hmm. it says it over and over as well. He's just quoting scripture (laughs) to be not afraid. And it's not even so much a command, it's engaging. It's the Holy Spirit meeting us where we are at. And you can almost hear the Lord saying, I understand, but I give you grace. Do not be afraid. Walk with me. I'm ready to walk with you. I am here. I'm waiting. You know, and so that, that invitation to prayer, I think, is what I'm feeling uh, compelled to hone in on. Because then you talk about being on fire, you know, and being on fire with the Holy Spirit. 
you know, Mark, you you raise something there. I think it's pretty important because it's what you find in the angelic salutation from Gabriel to Mary, right? Do not be afraid, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. That the Lord is with you. And what's the great one, you know, Luke one twenty eight? Uh, rejoice so highly favored one or 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 Kekari is the great full of grace right so do not be afraid god is going to overshadow you with his presence um grace joy these are one and the same thing in many respects they they share the same greek root word it's interesting to note mark as we're talking about this the word for enthusiasm right and theos uh, to bear god within uh, so the enthusiastic soul that the soul that is on fire for god bears god um, but this does manifest itself certainly in in different ways. And Joe, we, we got to leave for a break. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking about our saint of the day, Saint Monica. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Is there an event that you would like announced right here on the RPR Network? Please email the details at least two weeks in advance to heather at realpresenceradio.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R at realpresenceradio.com. We can help spread the word about what's happening at your parish and in your diocese. Again, that email address is heather at realpresenceradio.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Good morning. Welcome back to Awaken on Real Presence Radio with Dr. Joe Holcraft and myself, Mark Holcraft. Uh, If you're just joining us, we're talking intercessory prayer, praying fervently, fervent prayer. Uh, And we've been breaking open James 5, verses 16 to 18. But we're at the portion of our show we'd like to hit on a saint of the day, which really for our purpose is kind of a saint of the week. And this week, as we, this, this saint who gives great witness to fervent prayer, we're looking at St. Monica of Hippo, mother to the great St. Augustine of Hippo. And I think that's, <laughs> even that you hear certain saints associated with the place. I'm used to hearing St. Augustine of Hippo. I'm not used to hearing St. Monica of Hippo. It's a little thing, but sometimes we trip ourselves <laughs> up. We do, we trip ourselves up like St. Monica of Hippo. You know, I think a lot of our listeners, Joe, they're familiar with St. Monica. And then you add of Hippo. I was like, oh, wait, is that a different one? Do I not know about them? Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of you would be familiar with St. Monica. But nonetheless, um, we want to explore it through, explore just the gift of her witness to us through the specific lens of fervent prayer. Huh, Joe? Yeah. So you just touched upon it, Mark. Uh, Monica is the mother to St. Augustine. Now, it has been said, rightfully so, that behind every great man is a great woman. And sometimes that woman is a um, a wife, a, a sister, and certainly uh, a mother. In the case of St. Augustine, it was his mother. He rightfully praised her as much as he could, could in mm-hmm. his classic work, Confessions. And he did because he credited his conversion through the fervent prayer of his mother. Now, uh, Monica was a uh, woman of, you just said it, Mark, Hippo. So we're in North Africa for those of you out there who don't know where Hippo is. And customary to her time in that area, that region, uh, your marriage was arranged. And so she was arranged to be married 
by a, uh, uh, to a very volatile man, a man by the name of Patricius. Patricius hated Christianity. Uh, uh, St. Augustine made that clear. Um, he had an intolerance to Christianity, but Monica saw this as her cross, right? Mark, anytime you talk mm-hmm. about someone's cross, what you're talking about is the principal means by which we attain salvation. Now, all of our crosses are very difficult. That's the ideal idea because it's how we attain salvation. Monica's cross, first cross was Patricius. So she devoted her life to praying for Augustine. Yes, but what we must first understand about this woman who is a saint, a great saint, is she devoted her whole life to her whole family, right? So uh, Patricius, her husband, converted a year before his death, thanks to Monica. Uh, (laughs) um, I think mother-in-law put the word bad or intolerant into intolerant (laughs) mother-in-law because she was equally insufferable. uh, And yet she, like she did with Patricia, she devoted her uh, intercessory prayer to the conversion of her mother-in-law. She as well converted her children, um, all lived uh, noble lives, with the exception of, of Augustine, of course. Um, Perpetua, I think, was her name. Her, her daughter actually um, became a religious and devoted her whole life to intercessory prayer. So, before we start talking about Mon- uh, Mark Monica's fervent intercessory prayer for Augustine, we should highlight that this was a woman of prayer and a woman who devoted her whole life to praying for her family. With respect to Augustine, as it is well known, this was a man who lived a life of debauchery and sin. His conversion did not take place until the age of 33. Um, And so to that conversion, to that narrative a little bit, Mark, and again, this is highlighted in Augustine's book, Confessions, Monica followed Augustine wherever he went. So her fervent, steadfast prayer just wasn't about, as she was called to it, staying in one place praying for him. No, she wanted to, as you highlighted earlier, Mark, make her presence known to her son that, yes, (laughs) she was praying for him. And they were close. They had a good relationship, so it was respected. On one occasion, as, as the years went by and he was nearing his conversion, she had, she was praying before the Blessed Sacrament, and she had uh, a vision of a very mysterious, indistinct figure. And the words that came from his mouth were, Monica, dry your tears, your son is with you. Monica, dry your tears, your son is with you. Uh, why do I highlight that, Mark? Well, first of all, dry your tears. Okay, so clearly Monica's prayer came from the deepest place. This was about the the prayer of Diomai, as we highlighted earlier, but also that last phrase, your son is with you. What was meant by that? Uh, Well, I would propose it had something to do with Augustine being deep in Monica's heart. If the one who you are praying for is deep in your heart and you are offering your heart to God in that very uh, deep, intense prayer, that prayer of holy craving, uh, be consoled your son will be saved. Uh, St. Ambrose, who at the time was catechizing Augustine, shared with Monica, uh, um, (laughs) how can God turn away such fervent prayer, right? No, he's going to respond to such fervent prayer. So 
Again, Monica was consoled. As it turns out, of course, Augustine did convert, um, has become one of the great saints and great doctors of the church. Incidentally, Mark, you talk about a woman of and for intercessory prayer. After he converted and after her whole family converted, she said, according to Augustine, um, my purpose here in life is finished. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of uh, harnessed focus she had on on just not praying for her family, but at the same time, what that meant for her. Uh, clearly, this was her, her vocation. Y- you know, Mark, you've heard me say that, you know, we don't have a patron saint of and for intercessory prayer. Um, certainly, St. Joseph is the closest we get. I... Uh, you in the world of female saints, and there's lots to choose from. Uh, ones we'll still yet talk about, but Saint Monica might be that one who stands out as the one to potentially be a patron saint uh, of and for intercessory prayer because of the life she lived and and the way in which it exemplified fervent intercessory prayer. Well, I think was so potent too. As you're talking about, you know, uh, you can wipe the, your your tears or dry your tears um yeah you know we don't know we we can we can ponder that that's probably maybe that was the voice of god you know in her heart but just to hear that confirmation you know it, it speaks to what's so often said in old testament and even in, in luke chapter 17 uh god's god hears the cry of our heart and what mm. a comfort and mm. consolation that is you know and Amen. i think you know the cry of our heart, if we are praying and it is coming from the cry of our heart, if it is the cry of our heart, then the, another way of saying it is that your, your fervency in prayer, <laughs> I hear it. I hear you. And that's, it's funny. That's kind of a, it's a popular phrase right now. It's been out for a while. You know, when someone wants to feel acknowledged, you see it uh, in social media all the time or uh, mainstream uh, TV. It's, I hear you. I see you. I know you, you know, we hear this kind of a quick phrase. Well, why, where do we think this had gained its, any of its substance? Because it's he who sees all who first sees us, you know? So when I see, I see it on social media pretty regularly, you know, if someone's venting or struggling or is mad at something, whether just cause or not, uh, and someone just wants to try to help them feel better is I, I see you. You know, to the person who is yeah. hurting here and here, I see you. Hmm. Um, and yeah. I get it, and I get it. But there's something more here. Like when we hear that from the Father who hears the cry of our heart, then we'll begin yeah. to experience that sense of fulfillment, uh, what we're made for. And so what do you, what do you say with St. Monica, you know, at Augustine's conversion, at his baptism? You know, she, she is content, the purpose of yeah. her very life is in a certain sense she feels is fulfilled. You know, and what an embracing of motherhood, huh? An embracing mm-hmm. of, of motherhood hey, and hey, embracing man. of yeah. embracing of her role as a wife. Um, I imagine there was a, a similar sense with the conversion of her husband. You know, and as you said earlier too, Joe, not just the witness of prayer, uh, the fervency in prayer, the life of prayer. The charity she's going to have toward her husband, who was so anti-Christian, do we not mm-hmm. think he does not eventually come to see not just the life of prayer, but the charity that she continues to maintain for him, mm-hmm. 
who who yeah. is at some point becomes aware that he's been a rather loathsome loathsome personality. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, he um, was uh, uh, Patricius was brutal. You know, and and I I at that point, Mark, as you highlighted, is uh, quintessential because really, as she's praying for him, what's manifesting from that prayer is, in fact, you know, caritas uh, in all its splendor, right? Yes, and, yes. And no doubt, no doubt, it it. <laughs> I think it. <laughs> I think uh, Patricius said, "I see you." You know, in his own right, regard, right? Right. right. What's interesting, Mark, too, and I, I love that you've you've brought this up because it's just not that God says, "I see you," but what have we said about faith? It's the firm response. It's us saying back to God, "I know you see me." Yes, I, I know. I know you see me. And often, what's lacking in social media is is that affirmation of, mm-hmm. "I know you see me," or even thanks. You know, I, I, I've read a lot of that, and sometimes we are edified, if not more often than not, at the simple, <laughs> at the, uh, at simply being recognized, right? Yeah, That's yeah, enough. Yeah. When in reality, communication is always just not um, a, a seeing, but a responding, uh, a, a listening and, and a hearing, but a resp- response to what you listen and hear. To, uh, hear. So, Ultimately, as you talk about fervent prayer and St. Monica uh, and who she was, she said back to God, just not, I know you see me, but even at the end of her life, thank you for seeing me. Uh, thank yes. you for seeing me because uh, she, she and, you know, we've talked about this in the past, we don't always get to see the power of our prayer, so to speak. But uh, when you are steadfast, I'd have to think, Mark, that uh, God does grant that desire. Sometimes it's going to take years, as it did for Monica. Other times, maybe not so long. Um, but certainly, if fervent prayer is going to yield, yield pow- powerful effects, then we can be assured um, it's working. It's working. And part of that reason, based upon divine revelation, sacred scripture, Mark, is because we go to God in faithfulness. We go to God saying, I know you see me. Um, well, and and, and Joe, that can I, never be undervalued. I think you can almost, in this context, you can almost replace the word uh, uh, steadfast for righteous. You know, going back to James 5, verse 16, you know, you can almost replace, uh, you know, the fervent prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. The fervent prayer of a steadfast person is very powerful. You know, in this, in this case, I'm not saying that's what it exactly translates into. You've already brought that open, but as far as the quality, you know, the quality of steadfastness is that important. So I I do, I want to go back to something you had said, and this is in regards to St. Monica of Hippo. Cause I think it's so important. It's important for me. This is one of the, the witnesses and truths behind the life of Monica and so many of the saints that I need to continually be reminded of. And so I'm just to share for our listeners, you know, we hear and we read of this beautiful witness, the incredible devotion that Monica not only has the devotion uh, to her son and that she's devoted to do whatever it takes to save his soul, you know, because uh, her truest devotion, right? The deepest devotion is to, to the father. Um, but the life that she's Saint Monica, she's Holy Monica, not just because of the life of prayer, but that what we were speaking about earlier, the charity she had toward her husband, 
Uh, and I would guess not just toward her, her husband, the community of friends that her husband chose to hang around. Like if we start to think of the visual realities that more than likely surfaced in the environment that she was in, you know, we start to get a deeper sense of the, the gravity of struggle, um, the gravity and, and the intensity of her prayer life, the intensity of uh, her love of Jesus to hold so tightly to him in these points of her life that I'm sure were uh, challenging. She lived a life that was holy. You know, the, the charity toward her husband, the hope that she held on to for her son so as to treat him with charity amidst the things that I'm sure in a certain sense were just killing her inside as a mother. You know, and, mm-hmm. and also knowing, mm-hmm. as you had indicated, uh, having other children, I don't know how many other children Monica had, um, but in that sense that they, they were going down a better road than what we see with Augustine. Um, the cultural differences between men and women, you know, at that time, as far as how they're received, all these different things, it, it's helpful for us. But I think for us, for, for me, like I can sometimes attribute striving for a deep life of prayer and just disengage it from my daily habits in life. And this is the point I want to get at. Like, Prayer and the practice and pursuit of virtue can't be separated. And I think that's really a big part of the prayer of a righteous person, a righteous person, uh, those qualities of a righteous person, integrity, honesty. uh, These are key factors of a righteous person. You know, so for someone who just approaches the Lord and begs, but really lives a life that's quite separate from what those, what the the fruits of prayer would call for. Um, Because I think we run into a lot of that now. What we run into a lot of now is there's not a maturity in faith, you know, but maybe it's a prayer life that is built, uh, you know, those, the seeds that the sower sown was built in rocky ground and in thorns. Mm -hmm. And so it grows up and it chokes and dies. That's really where the spiritual maturity of a lot of, a lot of people are now, you know, inside and within the Catholic faith and without. And so I think it's just important to acknowledge it's not, it's not a caveat, you know, because the Lord is going to answer that God is God. He will answer prayers. But as scripture reminds us, as James reminds us, it is the prayer of a righteous person, you know? And so yeah. I, I just, that's a call for us, Joe. That's a call and a reminder. It's the voice of the Lord calling out to us saying, strive for this because I want to be with you and I want to give you everything your heart desires but the desires of your heart need to be formed in truth and beauty. Yeah. And to highlight righteousness, Mark, it, that's a Greek word that translates as uprightness. It's, it's, it's the word that describes the great St. Joseph, right? And when you talk about uprightness, you're talking about um, dignity, integrity, certainly virtue, establishing those, those good habits, the, those two things interlock for sure. And I know we're pretty much out of time, Mark, but you can never, never remove uh, <laughs> the life of, of a saint from the situation they, they lived in. They're one and the same thing. It's, it's what sanctified them in, in the process of becoming more holy. So Amen. that's, I just wanted to highlight that point, Mark. It's very important. Well, thank you for joining us for Awaken. And once again, we come to a quick stop, but we will join up with you again in a couple weeks. God bless you. And St. Monica of Hippo, pray, pray for, for us. us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. 
Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.